0: Welcome to Textination. Joining us is theoretical astrophysicist, Dr. Katie Mack, author of The End of Everything. Thank you for joining us, Katie.
1: Thanks. It's glad, I'm glad to be here.
0: First off, let me tell our, our listeners that this is really a, a wonderful, thought-provoking book written with su- a surprising amount, I think, of wit and humor about how the universe, not just the planet Earth, is going to end or different scenarios here that that you present. Maybe you can explain uh, a a little bit about some of those scenarios that you're talking about.
1: Sure. Thank you. And I'm glad you're enjoying the book. Um, Yeah. So in the book, I cover five different possibilities for how the universe will end based on our current understanding in physics and astronomy of how the universe is evolving over time. And so the The five different scenarios are very different in terms of how uh, how it would look, what it would feel like if you were there um, and what kinds of physics uh, caused the the different processes but um but the the kind of i think important thing is that um in all these scenarios there is an evolution of the universe it does change over time and it does get to a point where the the universe as we know it comes to an end and whether or not there's something after that kind of depends on on the the specific situation
0: and most of these scenarios are uh, far far away <laughs> but but not all necessarily yes.
1: <laughs> well you know uh, it's it's very hard to make solid predictions in in cosmology because there's a lot we don't understand so there there is one possibility I talk about in the book it's called vacuum decay, and it depends on a kind of very uh, random, unpredictable quantum event occurring somewhere in the universe. And we think that probably that can't happen anytime soon. It would, you know, the, the estimates for how long it would take for vacuum decay to occur are, you know, 10 to the power of 100 years, a so very, very long time from now. But because it's this unpredictable um, thing, we don't really know for sure. And and technically speaking, it could happen at any moment. And so that that kind of, you know, brings a little bit of, uh, a little bit of excitement to the, to the picture, I think. But, uh, I do want to emphasize, I don't think anybody should worry about this as a, as something that might happen.
0: Wouldn't do you any good anyway, would it?
1: <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> there wouldn't be anything you could do about it. I mean, none of these are, uh, none of these scenarios are things that we could change or, um, or do anything about.
0: You know, in, in the, uh, in the book, A Christmas Carol uh, and the movies, uh, mm-hmm. the, the question is asked, uh, are these things that must be, <laughs> can they be changing? What yeah. you're saying is, well, yeah, kind of this has to happen. Well,
1: I mean, the, the difference is that, um, you know, we don't we we can't take a trip to the future to to really check. Right. So. Um, What we can do is we can look at the current data and we can say what our theories are telling us and extrapolate from what we see today and we can get uh, various ideas about what will happen but it's very hard to say anything with certainty in physics, especially when you're talking about the, the far distant future so. Uh, although, although there there's definitely nothing we can do about um, how the universe evolves. We're far too insignificant in the grand scheme of things to change the overall fate of the cosmos. Um, we, you know, I'm not putting these forward as this is definitely what's going to happen because you know the the picture might change.
0: Why is it that you decided to delve into this to begin with and and, and research and uh, write this book?
1: Um, you know, I've always been fascinated by the big questions in physics and astronomy. You know, the big questions of existence: where did we come from? Where are we going? How does the universe work? What is it made of? All of those kinds of things. And in my research, I I do look at some of those questions um, in my in my academic work. In this case, I was uh, you know I wanted to I wanted to sort of share some of these interesting scenarios because I think. You know there are a lot of books out there about the beginning of the universe and there are very few about the end and i think that people are just as curious about our ultimate fate as as they are about our origins and so i thought it would be a fun thing to go through the literature go through the current research and figure out what people in my field are really saying about these possibilities and to bring that to the public in an accessible way so that you know everybody could get an idea of how we talk about these things as as physicists. And it was also nice that in the course of discussing these scenarios, I got to dig into a lot of really fun uh, physics and astronomy ideas and, and kind of pack in a lot of really cool information and, and things that I find very mind-bending and I thought people would, would find entertaining as well.
0: And tell me about your, your sense of humor and, and wit when it comes <laughs> to all of this. Uh, people would say, how can you laugh? <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, I think I think you kind of have to when you're when you're talking about the things that are this this big and destructive. Um, it's it's funny, you know, that it, it, in a sense you you do get this very this removed from it, right? Because although these are real things that happen out there in the universe, um, you know, they're, they're in the far distant future and kind of abstract when you when you're calculating stuff about them or when you're sort of pondering them. It's not something it's not part of your everyday life. And so in a sense, it can be kind of cathartic to think about these big destructive powers when, you know, your own life and the state of the world might be very distressing. You can think about, well, you know, everything's going to be destroyed in the future. So maybe maybe we can step back and, um, you know, take a little different perspective on it. I don't know. I I, maybe it's something weird about my sense of humor, but um, I do find it kind of fun and interesting to to ponder these things.
0: And it's been pointed out, I think, already the the irony here when you see this title maybe in in the store or or online. Here we are in Mm -hmm. in 2020 uh, with uh, climate change, the pandemic, uh, political turmoil and everything else. And there's the book, The End of Everything. (laughs)
1: well yeah i mean this is uh this is why we had to add the subtitle right the the astrophysically speaking part, just to say you know uh we're we're talking about literally the end of everything, not just the feeling that that you know everything's coming to an end because uh, there's so much uh, so many bad things happening um i i I have heard from a few people and I, and I hope in general that reading this book about something very far removed from daily life is is a way of stepping away from all of the horrible things actually happening on earth. So I do hope people are able to read it that way and that it's not just one more thing, you know, to worry about. I, I think it's, it can be nice to, to uh, ponder something bigger and, and grander and, and removed from, from oneself.
0: And you are not saying here, I, at least I don't think that, that we should ignore things like climate change because it's all going to end someday. No, anyway.
1: No. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. I mean, um, the what what we choose to you know what we choose to think about and to ponder out of our own just idle curiosity shouldn't affect uh, the work we do to make life better on Earth and I, I don't think anybody would say that you know when when people make uh, art and music as a way of expressing their emotions or as a way of uh, as a way of sort of if, removing themselves from their everyday life and, and having a, a, a kind of different experience. I don't think that's ever uh, considered to be a way to ignore and, and uh, not do anything about stuff that's happening on Earth. I think it's, it's really part of human nature that we are curious and we do need to think about lots of different things. And, you know, we need to find meaning and purpose in the world in various ways, and um, and I, I I hope that thinking about the end of the universe and the 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 cosmos and the evolution of the cosmos and our place in this bigger picture can can actually make us treasure what we have, you know, and want to preserve it.
0: And one of the scenarios, at least, uh, maybe more than one, uh, leads you to think that maybe this will all start over again after the end, or we we. I guess it's just yeah. a big question mark. We don't know.
1: Yeah, we don't know. Um, so one of the scenarios I talk about in the book is a, kind of a category of possibilities called bouncing cosmologies or cyclic cosmologies where you can have cycles from from an end of the universe to a new beginning, you know, so maybe a big crunch and then a big bang. So the universe might contract on itself and then start over again with a new big bang and, and um, expand again and, and create new uh, galaxies and so on. So it's very possible that whatever the end of the universe looks like, it will be the starting point of a new universe. Whether or not anything from our cosmos could survive into another phase, that's uncertain. And, And even with a lot of these cyclic ideas, you still don't get something preserved through the transition. So it it varies uh when you when you look at these different ideas, whether anything could survive to the next cycle. But some people do find it comforting to think that there will be something after us, even if our universe does um, you know, get completely destroyed.
0: Not necessarily just a big sign there saying game over or something. Or <laughs> the equivalent. Right, right. yeah. Yeah. So when when you think about uh these things, does it ever keep you up at night? Mm-hmm.
1: Um no I don't think so I think the the kinds of things that keep me up at night are are you know if I'm trying to figure out some uh some technical problem or or a uh, problem with my code you know um I I don't uh, I don't stay awake worrying about the end of the universe I I am much more inclined to worry about things that are happening on earth um you know uh human suffering and and climate change and all of those kinds of problems the the end of the universe is is something that uh, I do have sort of feelings about, but you know, in a very abstract way.
0: Interesting discussions, I, I assume, with the theologians and the like.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot uh, of things from from religious people in the last uh, few weeks as, as this book has been getting out into the world, um, where uh, people have brought up the the stories from their own faith traditions that maybe match with certain of the, of the end of the universe scenarios. And, and, uh, it is interesting how, how people connect, uh, what we know in, in physics to what, uh, you know, to what, what kinds of traditions they have in, in theology. I, you know, I, I, I don't try to, um, to connect the physics to, to theology myself, but, um, lots of people do find interesting patterns that that um, they find intriguing.
0: I imagine there might be some people who would ask you, well, if there's not anything we can do about any of this, why mm-hmm. think about it? Why 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 ponder the questions?
1: <laughs> I mean, for that, I would just say because we're curious creatures. Now, because uh, cause humans have that innate curiosity, and we just want to know things, and and it's very hard to stop. Someone from uh, from indulging curiosity and, and trying to figure it out. You know, that's that's just part of what makes us people. Is that we want to we want to understand our environment. We want to understand uh, our place in the cosmos and how everything works and fits together. And so, doing cosmology, physics, astronomy, those are all activities that we do because we just want to know. And um, and that's that's just a, I think I think an immutable part of human the human condition.
0: Do you ever think about what life might be like, assuming there is still life, if if we know that uh, that it's all going to end? Whether whether we're talking about an asteroid or something uh, that that would affect the entire universe?
1: Yeah, I have thought about that. Like, if we, for example, one of the um, one of the scenarios that I talk about in the book is um, is called the the Big Crunch, and that's where you know the universe is currently expanding, and at some point um, in this scenario, the expansion would stop and turn around and you know, galaxies would come crashing together and, and um, everything would get very hot and dense and, and, you know, sort of, you'd end up with the universe in this kind of inferno state. And um, uh, there was a time in sort of the 1960s when that was really the leading idea for how the universe would end. And I always, uh, I always thought that must have been a really strange thing to contemplate and and a very troubling thing to think about. if you could see that coming, you know, if if you put in all of the data and did calculations and said, "Oh, okay, this is how long we have," that would be. I would find that a very disturbing thought. Um, and uh, and I've I've talked to some cosmologists who who did find that a very disturbing thought and um, and wanted to explore different possibilities because it was not uh, it was not a nice a nice feeling to think that um, you know you might be able to know that it's it's coming at a certain time. Um, I I. So right now, we, we think it's probably not going to happen like that. Probably the universe will just continue expanding forever and getting more and more diffuse, you know, colder and emptier and darker. And so it's a much more sort of gentle, slow transition. Um, and for some reason, I find that less upsetting um, than than the idea that you would just watch all these galaxies coming toward you, you know. So I don't know. I, I, I think that the fact that it's so far off and the fact that it's probably going to be this this kind of slow, gentle thing is somehow comforting for me, even though in any case, you're talking about so many billions of years from now, there's not any chance in the world that me or my consciousness or anything I care about will still be around. But, you know, sometimes you do, I don't know, you you still um, do find some kind of emotional connection to these things, even if it's, if it's very distant.
0: You know, in, in our species, whether it's ego or whatever, whatever. <laughs> we like to think mm-hmm. about our 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 place in the cosmos what's the meaning of all of this um yeah what and the impact of this book on that kind of thinking is pretty destructive i suppose
1: well i mean from my perspective i think it it, it suggests that um if there is no ultimate legacy if there's not going to be some record in the future of of the facts that we lived and lived well or something like that then then, what we need to do is find meaning and purpose in the moment, right? Like, we need to find a way to not try to push off the meaning question to the future, um, where, you know, maybe something will come along and, and make it all retroactively worthwhile. Um, we have to actually think about how to, how to find meaning ourselves and how to, you know, make sure that we are, uh, you know, doing, doing good in the world whether or not anybody at the end is going to be going through a ledger and saying, okay, you did the right thing there.
0: It's hard to think of a a sequel to this, Katie, when I look at the title.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I thought about, you know, as the first book um, (laughs) destroying the universe is maybe not the best, uh, not the best strategy, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I could possibly write about next. That's, that's uh, to be determined. (laughs)
0: Once again, it's called The End of Everything, and the subtitle in parentheses, Astrophysically Speaking. Dr. Katie Mack, thank you so much for taking the time with us, and uh, thanks for writing this book.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm really glad to uh, talk with you, and I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying the book, and I, I hope more people are able to, to take a look at it.
0: Now this. How many companies out there have continued to innovate when it comes to building a better radio? I'm Fred Fishkin, host of Textonation, and I'm here to tell you about the new CC SkyWave SSB radio from the wonderful people at Sea Crane. Bob and his crew really love radio, and it shows in this new compact model that is packed with features. Beyond great AM and FM reception and sound, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world, listen to ham radio operators, aviation, and more. It's the radio you'll turn to every day and in emergencies. It will run for nearly three days on just two AA batteries. Pair the sleep timer with the new soft speaker 3, and you've got the perfect radio for your nightstand. Of course, it can wake you up too. Click on Crane at textination.com and put in the code TEXTINATION for a free flashlight with your order. They love radio, and you'll love Seacrane.